0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The world-famous Superbook Sports is now at the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. You can get right in the heart of the action. Catch all of the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. I have been there. It's a fantastic place to watch a game. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. Hope your summer is going well. We are in the heart and the heat of it now in late July it is almost time for training camp. You blink and it's back. I feel like, well, they're going to get six weeks off. It's more like a month. And we are a week away from the annual barbecue, which will be of interest because I'm sure we'll have top name players, including the quarterbacks, Von Miller. Uh, Joe Ellis always addresses the media then, and that will be of uh, utmost importance to see if he sheds any light on the potential sell of the team or would they bring on investors and try to keep the track of Brittany Bullen becoming the first uh, one of the uh, few NFL uh, woman owners and uh, occupying that role. So a lot still to be determined. I think we all think there will be clarity at least by the end of this season one way or the other. Either they're going to sell the team or they're going to try and bring on investors and buy out the disagreeing siblings. So, But training camp again, Less than a week away, they have the barbecue. And then the first day Broncos country can be out there is July 28th, a chance for you to get out there, especially for those who don't have season tickets. I know growing up in Pueblo, I don't even know that I knew anyone that had season tickets to the Broncos. I didn't attend my first Broncos game in person until uh, the fall of my senior year of college with my now wife. Um, You just didn't go to a lot of Broncos games growing up in Southern Colorado. I went to a couple of Denver Gold games. USFL and Nuggets games didn't have the Rockies then they started my senior year of college so if you have a chance and you're not you know you're not going to be going to the games in the fall or it's hard to come by tickets certainly understand that you know get out there at training camp it stinks there's no autographs but you know obviously there's still interest there to watch the team see where they are get your eyes on them uh, and then let me know what you see on Twitter or Facebook uh, at Troy Rink on Twitter and on Facebook that's T-R-O-Y-R-E-N-C-K so uh, we're close. Again, that first uh, practice will be following that barbecue on Tuesday, but we'll practice on Wednesday, and it starts to get real. And let's be real. It is time for the Broncos to start rebounding like Charles Barkley or Dennis Rodman. Five straight years without the playoffs, four straight losing seasons for the first time since 63-72. to 72. It has been a dry stretch of quarterback play with 10 starters since Peyton Manning, and I think we all agree that, you know we'd like to see them play meaningful games in December when I covered the Rockies for the better part of 15 years 20 when you count when I was at the Daily Times calling Longmont you know you, the hope was you're in it in September it doesn't mean you're going to advance but you're in it and too many of the Rocky teams I covered they went to the playoffs well I covered them twice in 07 and 09 uh, but they uh, were just non-competitive in many of those years and that applies to the Broncos, frankly. These last five years, they've had the one winning record, following the Super Bowl nine and seven. That is a team I think we can all agree should have reached the playoffs. Benny Fowler tried to catch a ball with his face mask in Tennessee. He had a drop against Kansas City. I mean, it's not just on him, but there was a couple of swing plays in that season that could have easily led them to go ten and six and go to the playoffs. They did not, and they have last time they were five hundred during the season, discounting uh, the first game of the year was Vance Joseph's last year at 6-6. Six and six. I mean, that's hard to believe for Bronco fans because the better part of three decades, you started every season thinking, when AFC West and is this year we make a deep run in the playoffs? And that has not been the case. They haven't beaten the Chiefs uh, since Peyton Manning retired. That's a problem, obviously. Uh, they haven't even threatened for a playoff berth or sniffed a playoff berth again since they were 6-6 six and six, uh, a couple of years ago. And under Vic Fangio, they have not been above 500 one game, one day of a season. That goes back to his 0-7 record in September. They can't afford that this year. We all know that. The schedule set up for them to start faster with at the Giants, at the Jaguars, home against the Jets, and we can't uh, stress enough and overstate the importance of 2-1, 3-0, because then you get the Ravens, then you get the Steelers. I mean, so if you stumble out of the gate. I mean, you're looking at a one and four, one and five start and you're done. I don't want to hear the math and I don't want to hear people saying if they do this, they're not, because they're not gonna beat the Chiefs. So that's two more losses. And then you're at seven. Now you're gonna to have to like win out. I mean, come on. I mean, let's let's be real here. Be honest with yourself. That's not happening. That's why staying around that five hundred mark all season is so important because they're not a team built to go on a three, four game winning streak. Uh, because they, you know, are they going to beat the Chargers on the road? Are they going to beat the Raiders on the road? They finish. Those are games, all division games, they finish with at the Raiders, at the uh, Chiefs. I mean, if you're going to sit here and tell me they're going to win those games, then you're going to also pause and say, oh, by the way, they acquired Aaron Rodgers, because they don't win on the road against good teams. They barely win on the road as it is. So a potent start is critical for this team this season, and there's going to have to have guys, Overperform, exceed expectations, and your best players have to be great in big moments. So, with that, uh, I, I want to introduce a topic that was introduced by uh, Broncos.com. Eric DeLala does a great job with the Broncos website. He sent out an email about uh, awards, you know, having our predictions for awards as beat writers. And I'll-, I'll-, I'll email Eric back, but it made for a great topic for today's pod as I was going through a- several different lists. So I'm like, this would be a fun list. Still trying to have some fun prior to the season. And let's go through what would that look like if and who would be the best players on the Broncos team. We're gonna get that and name those players after the break. My believe in Broncos Podcast is sponsored by Hoggett Injury Law, their motto, with us, it's personal. Speaking of personal. Let me tell you about my friend darby hoggett i've known darby for the better part of a decade coached his son in travel baseball at those tournaments we would talk a lot of baseball and a lot of broncos he's a huge broncos fan we've become friends in fact many of darby's clients have become his good friends you don't even have to pay darby up front if your case goes as planned darby will be the one writing checks to you if you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work give his team a call at 1-833 hoggett H-O-G-G-A-T-T, or find out more by visiting their website at www.hogatlaw.com. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. As promised, we are going to discuss, going kind of from the bottom, working our way up, um, awards. You know, again, broncos.com is polling several of us writers and broadcasters what we think of the players on this team and who could be the best players on this team and you know win their theoretical awards. I mean, in some cases, obviously, if you win the league award, that's different. But it makes for an interesting conversation as we look at how can the Broncos get back to a winning record? How can they reach the playoffs? And that is you have guys exceed expectations and you have your best players play well. And we'll start with the first one on this list. We'll work our way to the top. Uh, which will ultimately be MVP of the team. So when we look at this list, the first category, comeback player of the year, there's two obvious choices. Cortland Sutton coming off an ACL injury and Von Miller coming off a dislocated ankle tendon that required surgery. Both Sutton played uh, essentially a half at Pittsburgh, played half of one game because he missed the opener after straining his shoulder, diving for a ball, before practice so he missed the season opener and only played half of the second game and von miller in a practice leading up to the season opener in a non-contact drill dislocated his ankle tendon he missed the entire season now at age 32 he's trying to reclaim his form and bounce back so comeback player of the year for me again i've been a bit of a ride or die guy with Vaughn for years. And if they are going to get where they need to go on this team, Von Miller has to be great. Not good, but great. And that means 12 to 13 sacks. That means a disruptive presence. He recently was ranked by ESPN, a poll of, I think it was 50 coaches, executives, where they go kind of position by position. He was ranked the sixth best outside linebacker. He's highly regarded in the industry still. At age 32, if you look at the history of the Kevin Greens and the Bruce Smiths, guys who make the Hall of Fame, there's no reason Vaughn Miller can't get to 12-13 sacks. The one thing preventing it would be his own offense. If the offense stinks, they can't get a lead, they can't keep it to a one-score game in the late third and fourth quarter, it's difficult to get sacks. And people come down on Vaughn, where are the sacks? He had two tackles, no sacks. If they don't drop back and they're constantly leading and they're just going to dump down or do quick hitters he can't get sacks the ball is out in two seconds so comeback player of the year I give the edge to the Von Miller I do think Cortland Sutton is going to be a really good player for the Broncos the difference now for Sutton than it was when he made the Pro Bowl two years ago there's a lot more mouths to feed you've got Jerry Judy are ready to blossom. You've got Tim Patrick, who was for me arguably their best offensive player last year. You've got Melvin Gordon. You've got Noah Fant. You've got KJ Hamler. How do all these pieces fit into place? Obviously, uh Sutton's gonna be a priority. I'm not saying that, but what will those numbers look like? I still think he's an a thousand yard receiver. I mean he's still gonna be a thousand yard receiver for me. Uh, I said a couple of years ago, or leading into last season, I thought he could get to 10, 12 touchdowns because he was going to be primary target, primary target in the red zone. And even with a Judy as a rookie, that he was going to get the bulk of the targets. Now he's going to certainly be targeted, but I don't know that he's going to consistently get six, eight targets a week with the number of weapons they have. Plus I am convinced absent Aaron Rodgers showing up on their doorstep via trade, that they are going to base their offense around running the football. And they're not going to be throwing the ball 35, 40 times. Frankly, they shouldn't with their personnel at quarterback. It just leads to more issues. They need to be more efficient and need to be thinking about quantity, excuse me, quality, not quantity in terms of throwing the football. So Sutton will be good. I just think if this team's going to get to where they need to go, and I think they can, can have a winning record, Von Miller needs to be the comeback player of the year. Next question, next award, again, uh, in this fun poll we're doing today. Best veteran offseason edition. Uh, I, again, if we're following and connecting the dots here, if this team's going to be a 9-8 and a team, 10-7 and 7 team, their defense is going to carry the water. Their offense has to be functional and do its part, but the defense is going to have to be the one making plays if the offense is functional. And so that would mean for me the best offseason edition is going to be a cornerback. The question then becomes, is that going to be Ronald Darby or Kyle Fuller? Part of me wants to say Fuller because of his uh, expertise in this defense. Yeah, he played his best football under Fangio two years ago. But that would be why I don't take Fuller as the best veteran offseason addition, because it was two years ago. I believe that Ronald Darby is going to be the guy where we look up and go, man, he really made a difference with that secondary. He allowed them to play a little more man coverage, not just quarters and matchup zone, that he gave them the freedom to do some different stuff on blitzes because of his comfort level with man coverage. Uh, He's got to get better intercepting the ball. He's had issues throughout his career uh, not getting interceptions, but he's still a playmaker. You can make plays without intercepting it. Certainly you want to, and you get your hands on the football. You want to be able to finish that play. But in a toss-up in some ways, if you were doing it at odds, it would be even odds on this for me with Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby. I do think it'll be a defensive player. And for that reason, I go with the younger player in this case, wanting to prove that he can be a first-time Pro Bowler, that he can be in that conversation. I go with Ronald Darby as veteran, best veteran offseason edition. Breakout player of the year. I mean, that's an interesting one because... It frankly needs to come from the offense. On the defensive side, there aren't really guys that are candidates for breakout player of the year. And you could say, can Alexander Johnson get back to where he was a couple years ago? Um, could Josie Jewell be a difference, player, difference maker in coverage? Uh, a Baron Browning, a Justin sternad That would be a real roll of the dice for me to take one of those linebackers, Browning or Sternad, because they become a niche player in coverage. And really change how this team looks on third down against the Kelsey's of the world, Darren Wallers of the World. Uh, to me, that's I just can't go that far out on that limb. The breakout player of the year for me needs to be Noah Fan. And it's almost probably not fair by definition because he's had a pretty good start to his career. No tight end in, in Broncos franchise history has had more receptions in the first two years. He's just not getting in the end zone enough. Some of that's not on Noah. Uh, but Noah Fan has the body type. The work ethic, the motivation to take that next step and be a top ten tight end in this league. Again, we I refer to that ESPN story where they rank top ten players at the positions. Fant was just on the outside of the top ten, looking in. For me, he needs to be you know six, seven, eighth in that conversation. And the only way he's going to get there, he's got to get to six, seven touchdowns. You can't be a top tight end in this league scoring three touchdowns. It's about body control. It's about being a little better in space, but just knowing how to use his body, use his strength at the goal line. And I think they're going to see that this year, that whether it's Bridgewater or Drew Locke, the tight end in the red zone needs to be a priority. I mean, you have Judy, you have Sutton, you have Gordon, Javante Williams. I understand all of that. You can't sleep on your tight end in this offense, especially if you're going to run the ball like I think they are, because the tight end is going to give a lot of – similar looks on running plays to where then he should be open in the passing game over the you know, in on drag routes or over the middle of the field. So breakout player of the year, Noah fan. Rookie of the year, I mean, I want to go with Javante Williams because he's going to run with evil intentions. He's going to hurt people. And I think he's going to finish the season strong and that they're going to need Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams to both play well to get where they want to go. Uh, but I just am too impressed with Pat Sertain. Pat Sertan to me has uh, got a chance to be a pro bowler in year two. He's gonna be on the field a lot. He's not gonna just be in subset, in sub packages. You're gonna see him on the field. He's he's got the versatility to play some slot. He can play outside. Again, Callahan's never played more than played 16 games in a season. And last year he only played 10. Uh, so the idea is going to play all 17 games. I hope I'm wrong. Because that would make a huge difference for them, but you can't count on that at this point. Uh, that's why I look at uh, Sertan and say, I just I see him making enough plays where we look up at the end of the year and go, man, he played seventy five percent of the snaps. He had two or three picks, a fumble recovery, forced fumble. And there's going to be a couple of games we look back and go, he was the difference, you know, in the fourth quarter with a deflection or a you know a, a past defense. Well, again, I love Javante Williams, Quinn Miners, Baron Browning. These guys all have potential. They don't necessarily have a role yet. You know, we don't know how much Javante Williams is going to play. I think he's going to play a good chunk as the season goes on. But I don't know that. Baron Browning's got to show me he's healthy. And can he get on the field in a third down situation? I don't know that. Quinn Miners, I don't know that he can beat out Lloyd Cushenberry. He's never played center before. The potential is fabulous. He doesn't have a spot right now. So for me, the rookie of the year, I'll just go chalk on that. Pat Sertan, cornerback, first rounder from Alabama. Defensive player of the year. This is one where I bandied about three choices. Again, I just told you that the best veteran offseason addition is Ronald Darby. Defensive player of the year candidate, and the comeback player of the year is Vaughn Miller. So those two would obviously be candidates for defensive player of the year. Bradley Chubb would certainly be a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. This might be the year he gets the 15 sacks. I texted with Chubb last week and asked him how he was feeling, and he said that uh, feeling like money, will they perhaps limit him early in camp? Yes. Uh, will he be completely full go? I don't know that, whether the bone spurs are removed. I know that there's no reason to think he won't be full go on September 12th in the Meadowlands against the Giants. All that said, Their best defensive player the last few years has been Justin Simmons. And if they get the pass rush that they should, if this offense is just functional, again, that could be 8-9 record, 9-8, 10-7, somewhere in that range, then they're going to get takeaways for once. Again, they've had 33 takeaways in two years. Fangio's last defense had 36. That doesn't cut it. But if Chubb and Miller get the pressure I expect – I think the picks are going to come from Justin Simmons. The highest paid safety in the NFL. There's no better center fielder in the NFL at the safety position. If this team, again, their offense can carry the pail of water for once, do its part, not have the defense have to gulp down Doan's pills uh, for putting the team on its back every week. The offense can just do its part. Simmons is going to get opportunities to make plays on the ball, and he has great hands. He had last year alone, he had six takeaways. The team had 16. Justin Simmons, for me, is going to be their Defensive Player of the Year, show why they awarded him with that long-term contract, made him a future franchise cornerstone player. He edges out, again, the likes of Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller. Uh, even maybe throw a Shelby Harris in there. Uh, but as the defensive player of the year, for me, that would be Justin Simmons. Also on breakout player of the year, I did neglect to mention uh, Draymond Jones is in that conversation. He had six sacks last year and missed time. He has a chance to get to double-digit sacks. Again, this was if everything went perfectly, they're healthy, they're in games to where they can get pressure. But don't sleep on Draymond Jones as a breakout player of the year. I said Fant. Because that's who it needs to be if they're going to get to where they want to go. But keep an eye on Draymond Jones. So that gets up to offensive player of the year. We all know it needs to be a quarterback, but it's not going to be. I'm not going to fool myself and trick myself into believing this is the year they figure out the quarterback position because both candidates, I mean, they shrug shoulders. Teddy's a decent game manager. He can can win in this league. He won with the Saints. He wasn't very good last year with the Panthers, especially after he hurt his knee. Uh, But he is incredibly accurate, one of the most accurate passers in the league year to year, and he has shown he can win games, protect the football. His ceiling is not great. He's not a guy that's going to take a lot of chances. And for me, he needs to be a better version of Case Keenum from a few years ago. Case, if you remember, threw three picks in the opener uh, when he was going to take over and solve all their quarterback issues. And from that moment, he basically decided, because he got booed that day, I'm not going to throw any more picks. But he didn't throw any touchdowns either. I mean, he stopped turning the ball over, but he didn't make any plays. I mean, I don't need that either. It's like, oh, I'm not burning the food, but it has no flavor. Well, I don't want to eat it. Just because you didn't burn it, if it has no flavor, why would I want to eat it? And that's where I am with the quarterback position with Teddy. Teddy. Can he make enough plays to justify being in the lineup? And Because I, I have a feeling he will take care of the ball. I do believe he can do that. But he's got to be able to make enough plays and be accurate consistently and make plays to keep the offense moving, keep the chains moving. And if nothing else, keep the defense on the field. Sometimes it's just winning off the field, excuse me. Sometimes it's just about winning the field position battle. God knows their special teams needs all the help it can get after the last few years. So... Could it be Teddy? Yeah, it could be. Could it be Drew Lock? Again, Drew, higher upside, higher ceiling than Teddy. Uh, he has handled everything well this offseason from the Matthew Stafford rumors to the, Desha- the Deshaun Watson rumors to the Aaron Rodgers rumors. He just put his head down and went to work. And I can appreciate that about him because he can't control that. As athletes and as a coach, I've told people and kids I've coached, control what you can control. You don't make out the lineup in that way. You don't, you're not the GM of the team. If you play well, you play. You know, t- coaches aren't smart enough to bench guys who are playing well. They're not that. They're not that uh, 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 stupid to bench guys who play well. In baseball, we have a saying: If you hit, you don't sit. In football, you know, if Locke performs, he's going to play. His case issue is we know turnovers and accuracy. Not a great issue to have as a quarterback. Last year, tied for the league, league in picks, worst completion percentage at 57 in a league where everyone was completing between 65 and 70 percent of their passes so it wasn't just that he had the worst he had the worst at a time where everyone was completing passes you got to figure that in uh but drew showed some promise showed some flashes uh during otas in the offseason but it's an open competition could it go to the through the third week of the preseason against the rams it could i think that's a mistake i've been on record saying that I think they need to make the decision after the Seahawks game because it allows the offense to have certainty, the locker room to know who the leader is. It doesn't mean you lose respect for the guy that loses the battle, but you need to know who your quarterback is. It's like a closer in baseball. When they open that door in the ninth inning, it can't be uh, like, let's make a deal and see who's running out the door. You have to know if you're a good team, who your quarterback is, who your closer is. There's certain positions, it matters. It doesn't matter who your nickel corner is. That doesn't change how the locker room views itself. Knowing who the quarterback is, hell yeah, that matters. I've seen it. I've covered quarterback competitions. It's not good for the locker room. Coaches can say that it doesn't matter. They're not the ones in the locker room talking about each day and then reading social media of who's going to be the guy. And they're getting asked who the guy is. So for me, you make that decision. And Drew has the higher upside. Teddy certainly has the, the, the higher floor and make a decision. If the person struggles, you can always go and make a switch. If it's Drew, again, my my issue with this, if it's Drew and you go one and two in those first three games, your season might be over. That's why I keep giving Teddy a slight edge. Teddy could go two and one. Then if he stinks against the Ravens, maybe you bench him and you try Drew Locke at Pittsburgh and see if that gives you a spark and you can go back to Teddy. But if you start Drew and go to Teddy, I don't ever see you going back to Drew. I don't see that. I would think his career in Denver at that point is all but over. But who would be their, uh, when we look at this situation of offensive MVP, it won't be the quarterback. It needs to be this, I'm going to cheat on this, but it needs to be the combination of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, Mike Boone. They need to run the heck out of the football. If they're able to do that, where they're averaging like 125 to 130 yards a game, that Cleveland Browns model of last year, if they're able to control the clock, run the football, and uh, allow their defense to be in games late to make plays. It's going to be because they their offense is spinning off the running game. It's not ideal in a passing league. It's not, but we keep saying they're going to pass. They're going to go five wide. They're going to. They just they haven't shown they can win that way. I mean, we've had four years of data have shown it's not working. They'd be better off at this point being a run first team, and then you throw 25 to 30 times a game instead of throwing 35 to 40 times a game and then rushing for 100 yards. I just I don't think they can win that way with their personnel. Now, again, one of these quarterbacks overachieved, maybe. They got some nice weapons, uh, obviously, in the passing game. But for me, you. Put the onus on your offensive line. Cushenberry's got to improve. Glasgow's got to improve. Reisner, I know, is going to rebound. He'll be healthier. Bowles has got to stay on his track. And Bobby Massey, Fleming, or Anderson's got to be solid at right tackle. And you've got to run the heck out of the football. That needs to be your offensive identity. So the Offensive Player of the Year, if you make me choose one, then I'm going to say it's Melvin Gordon because he's the starter at running back. But I'm going to say running back is going to be their offensive player of the year, and that's going to be a combination of Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, and Mike Boone. So who does that leave as the MVP? Well, if they go to the playoffs or they have a winning record, the MVP of this team is going to be the defense for me. So when you say it's the defense, I'm going to go right back to my guy, uh, Justin Simmons, as the playmaker, the difference maker at safety. It could be Vaughn, could be Bradley Chubb, but if this team's going to get to where it wants to go, they're going to run the football, they're going to play good defense, and they're going to produce takeaways because they're in games late. And if they produce takeaways, that puts the focus on Justin Simmons to be the guy central to making the most plays, and I would make him my MVP. So let me know what you think. We'll go back through them again. Comeback Player of the Year, Vaughn Miller. My best veteran offseason addition I had is Ronald Darby. Breakout player of the year, Noah Fant. Rookie of the year, go chalk there with cornerback Pat Sertan. Defensive player of the year, Justin Simmons. Offensive player of the year, I say Melvin Gordon, but it's really the three-headed approach of the running backs with Gordon, Javante Williams, and Mike Boone. And MVP, again, if this season's going to go the way I think it is, it's going to be Justin Simmons benefiting from the pass rush of Malik Reid. Bradley Chubb, and a healthy Von Miller. So let me know what you think. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Troy Rink T-R-O-Y-R-E-N-C-K, or on Facebook, TroyRink. Uh, let me know your thoughts, uh, where you guys see it, because camp will be opening. Broncos country, you will be out there. Can't wait to see you. I know the players are looking forward to the energy you provide as they try to finally figure it out and rebound and get back to a return to relevancy for your Denver Broncos. That will do it for our podcast. Thanks, as always, to my sponsor, my friends at Superbook Sports and Darby Hoggett, his personal injury law firm, and certainly my son, Dagan, who produces these podcasts. I couldn't do it without him. Broncos country, I do this podcast for you. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day.